so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. I'm really excited about today's message. So let's pray together and then we can jump in to what the Lord has to say to us today. Father, we thank you that we can come together from wherever we are in the world and just receive from you. We know that when we give you our attention, when we worship you, you grow us and you shape us. So Father, we are open and we're ready to just be blessed by you, to be honored with your presence in our lives and changing and shaping who we are. We thank you, Father, for all that you are, and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, a very, very big welcome. I'm really excited that you took some time out to join us here today as we continue the Promises Made series. Now, you might be in a place where you've already forgotten your New Year's resolutions. You might be in a place right now where if you've forgotten what it is that you promised yourself at the beginning of January, uh, maybe you like me and you make some habit changes and some promises that you'd like to see happen during the year, and within two weeks, they're already starting to falter. Well, one of the habits that I've decided to make with my family is we're going to get fit. We're going to have a good time. We're going to work out together in the gym. And I want to say to you that good for us. We haven't faltered yet. We are two and a half weeks in and we haven't missed our regime and our habits. So we are making good progress in that habit change and that promise we've made. But we need to understand that when we try and make promises based on anything other than God's promises, when we try and make New Year's resolutions based on anything other than God's promises, they are going to falter. They are going to fail. But when we make our promises, when we make our New Year's resolutions, when we make our habit change decisions, when we make those based on the promises that have been made to us by God, well, that changes things quite drastically. That changes things radically in our lives because it gives us the mechanism, it gives us the means to be able to walk those promises, those commitments, those resolutions. It gives us the ability to walk those out and be able to see some of the desires of our heart actually become reality. Now, maybe you're like me and you got to the end of 2018 and 2018 was a bit of a frustrating year. Well, frustration comes when the desires of our heart aren't are becoming a reality. The desires of our heart aren't becoming a reality. God calls the desires of your heart out by promising His Word and fulfilling on His Word. Because when we see the promises of God regularly being fulfilled, we know that they're not going to be futile like the promises we make ourselves. When we make promises ourselves, they very quickly become futile. They very quickly fade. They very quickly become next year's resolutions. But when we base ourselves on the promises of God as He calls out the desires of our heart, God has never made a promise. He's never made a declaration. He's never spoken a word over your life that He hasn't planted the desire already in your heart to see that promise fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see God's promise of financial prosperity in my life becoming a reality. Well, I can base that reality knowing that it's going to be real because God's promises never fail. My promises made to me enable me to make promises that I can see become reality. And we had a look at that last week and we said, hang on, we're not going to be obedient to some law. We're not going to be obedient to some crazy trumped up ideas of our own. No, we're going to be obedient to the promises of Jesus Christ, the promises that I can base my life on. 
The crazy thing about what we discussed last session was that Jesus wants us. That's the first thing that we need to realize when we're changing our trajectory, when we're changing our promises, when we're re-engineering our New Year's resolutions. We need to understand that Jesus wants us to follow him. I, I love the concept that the greatest God in the world, the most high God in the world, sent Jesus to let me know that he wants me to follow him. He wants me to follow him because if I follow his promises, I will see the desires of my heart become reality. His desire is to see my desires of my heart that line up with his promises become reality. And he's told me that if I want to do that, I need to be a disciple. I need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I need to be a promise seeker. He called us to be something. He called us out. He called us to, to really step up and fulfill promises. He called us to transform our lives by following Him. And so I already have the understanding, I already have the knowledge that I'm wanted. Isn't that a, a great space if you're sitting in a place where you're making promises to yourself, New Year's resolutions around relationship? I'm, I'm going to step out of my singleness, my position of singleness, and I'm going to step into a position of marriage. I, I really have a New Year's resolution to find Mr. Wright, to find Mrs. Wright. Maybe you're sitting in a place where many of your, your desires for the year are based on emptiness, loneliness, not being part of, not being wanted. Well, Jesus can fulfill and help you move towards some of those desires, not out of a place of need, but out of a place of knowing that you already belong, that you already have been called, that you already are desired to be in relationship with. You don't have to find Mr. Right when Jesus has made it all right already. You can have just simply a relationship with somebody because you have already been made right in Christ. You already have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And now He's abundantly blessing you by taking you from a place that you don't wish to be in and bringing you into a place of new relationship. He called us to become something. He doesn't just want to know, let us know that we wanted. He wants us to know that because we are wanted, He wants to move us from our current position to a new dispensation, to a new position. He wants, us, he wants to allow the promise, the desire to where we're going, He wants us to get that promise to get us moving. He wants to take us from where we are and move us forward. He doesn't just want us to wallow in the promise. He, he doesn't want just us to know that, that we're, just, we're wanted. No, he, he wants us to know that because we're wanted, because we needed, because we have a role to play, that we can get up and see the desires of our hearts becoming a reality. He really wants the promise to get us moving. Now, many of us will base our New Year's resolutions, our desires, our expressed uh, next step, our, the next thing we want to do, the next thing we want to achieve, we'll base that on our current position. Uh, think about it. I, I, I'm feeling a little bit unfit I don't feel like my body is working at its best. And so because of my current position of not being fit, I make a promise that I'm going to change my position. When I try and move from position A to position B based on my promises and my desires, well, then I find myself quickly not moving from position A to position B, but I find myself 
staying in position A. I find myself remaining unfit, not getting back to gym, not eating healthily, not exercising regularly because it's just too much effort because I'm basing everything I do on my own promises. But when I base my change of position on a promise of God, I quickly find my position changing. You see, God wants us to reverse it. He doesn't want us to make commitments based on our current position. He wants us to commit to the promise so that our current position can become a new position. He wants us to change the way we think and act. He wants us to seek out what we can become. He wants us to dream what we can be, not based on our own promises, not based on our own New Year's resolutions, but on the promises, on the things that He's already called us. Now we know from last session, He's already called us. He's already called us to be His disciples. He's already asked us, please follow me, follow my promises. And we had a look at that in the last session entitled, When Jesus Calls. But once we've been called, once we realize that Jesus has a whole bunch of promises for us, and we want to change our position based on the promise that He's given us. We don't just want to wallow in the promise, Jesus loves me. No, I want to do something with the love that Jesus has for me. I don't just want to stay in the promise, I want to change my position based on it. But to be able to change my position based on the promise, I've got to know what the promises are. I've got to know what Jesus is calling me to be. He hasn't just called me, He's called me to be something. And so when we have a look at this um, process, we need to understand the promise before we can change the position. So over the next couple of sessions, we're going to be having a look at some of the things that Jesus called you and I, and so that we can see, well, what's the promise and what has He called us to become? The first thing that I can find in Scripture is found in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 31, the second part of 31, and verse 32. It says, it's not healthy who needed, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus has not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus hasn't come just to call those who are, are doing, having a good life. He, he didn't just come to identify with those who seem to have everything going well for them. No, He came to call you. He came to extract you from your current position so that you can have a new life. And to do that, He called you certain things. He gave you names. How many of you know that Jesus called you disciples? And this week we're going to have a look at He calls us the salt and the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, to call us out of darkness, to, to call us out of the place that we're in, to call us out of being ill to a life of being healthy. He doesn't just come for those who are healthy. He comes for those who desire to have their position changed. The ill would like to get healthy. The poor would like to get rich. The blind would like to see. And so it goes. Jesus is calling us things so that we can move from our current position to a new one. And the very first thing that He calls us is in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Whether you are a really good person or whether you are a really bad person, you have been called by a really good God who wants to transform you into being the salt of the earth. Now, now you might be going, well, hang on, hang on, Craig. How, how does being called the salt of the earth help me 
move my positions? How does it help me change my position? I don't want to be depressed anymore. I, I want to be excited for life. I don't want to feel like I'm downtrodden. And yet all Jesus has to offer me is to call me the salt of the earth. Well, remember that God doesn't just call you. Jesus doesn't just call you with his promise. He calls you to do something. He calls you to be something. He calls you to change your position. The promise Jesus has given you is not just about encouraging or, or making your life better. No, because we respond to the promise, our life becomes better, but it becomes better because we are now able to impact others. Remember last week we said, find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Because we are disciples, because we are promise seekers, we have the ability to change other people's lives. And that is where we get our true value and worth from. So when he calls us the salt of the earth, it doesn't really matter. We've been called by a really good God who wants us to do really good things for others. So when we have a look at what salt is, salt is able to preserve. Now, I, live, I lived in a place called Cape Town. In fact, that's where I was born in South Africa. And those who were coming from Europe would sail around the tip of Africa and go off to the east to get their spices and their silks and, and all of the things from the east. And then they would sail back around again. And uh, we have a, 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 something we love to eat a, a, a delicate, delicate, from the delicatessens, from, 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 the, from the meat shops. We, we have something in South Africa that we call biltong. Now, if you want to know what biltong is, you're going to have to look it up uh, on Google. Uh, you can find it. But there's a process of preserving the meat by spicing it and flavoring it. And you dry the meat and the salt and then you eat the meat once it's dried with the beautiful flavor that you've, you've, you've spiced it up with. Well, that tradition, that, uh, that meal, that little snack that we like to eat, is, uh, comes from the sailors who would hang meat in the ships and they would preserve the meat with salt. They would make the meat last longer than it would normally. And so salt is, a, is something that preserves, it keeps it, it holds, it, it makes sure that people or, that, or the this thing that it's preserving has a longer life than expected. Well, because Jesus called you to a promise, one of the promises that God gives us is eternal life. But that scripture asks us not just to be salt, but be salt to the world. And so when we understand that scripture correctly, if we are the salt, we are the ones by expressing the promise of an eternal life, a life that will go on longer than expected, not just 80 years, not just 90 years, not just 100 years. No, but because that we can teach the promise to others, we can help them preserve life and give them a hope of a longer life than just what is seen. Salt preserves, it keeps, it holds. So to be the salt of the earth, we need to encourage people to embrace their promise in Jesus. We need to show off the promise in Jesus that we have so that others can see the preservation. We don't want anybody going to hell. God wants everybody to step into a life of eternity. He wants us to preserve the gift of life forever. 
And as a result, He's called you not just to be a disciple, not just to be a follower, not just to be someone who sits at home and receives messages and receives teachings and sits there and just receives the promises, receives the promises. No, He says, get out there and preserve somebody. Go and give somebody eternal life. Go and shape their future and tell them that their future is not one that will come to an end abruptly. It's one that can be with God forever. You are the preservation message of the world. You are the salt of the world. That's a promise God has made you, that He's called you with His promise to become. The second thing that salt does is salt purifies. Let me tell you something. We are living in an impure world. When I, when I get called to be the purifying salt for my children, I make sure that with everything that I've got, I keep the impurities of the world out. Oh, but Craig, you can't be overprotective. Yes, I can. I would rather be overprotective and keep them holy than allow Satan to corrupt them. I am the salt. I am the one that God has asked in my environment, in my space, to keep pure, to make sure that the, that the salt keeps pure. It cleans out. It scrubs away. It removes germs. It, it frees us from the filth and degradation of the world. I know for a fact that people out there who've succumbed to the, the filth of the world are not happy. If I can go there and find a hurt and with the salt that God has given me, with the abilities that God has given me, with the promise that God has given me, if I can share that promise onto that wound, I can see healing and I can see that we have been given the power to push back this world so that we can be living a more pure life. Now, we're never going to be perfect until Jesus returns, but we can surely push back the imperfections that we've identified and we do that with the promises of God. It's only because I know that I've been called to be a disciple that I don't want to follow anything else. It's only because I know of the promise that Jesus has called me to be that I don't want to bend the knee to anything else. I want to purify. I want to keep my life in obedience to God. And I want to help others get to that place too. I don't know about you, but have you ever sat in the, in the movie house and and, and you've eaten too much popcorn with too much salt on. It dries your mouth out. It, it makes you feel like a Coke. In fact, I think that's why they sell so much popcorn, so you buy so much soda. But the fact is, is that if salt creates a thirst. Salt creates a desire to drink. It creates a desire to have water. So Jesus has made us the salt to make people thirsty for Him. He's called you to be a disciple so that people can look at your life and say, I want what you've got. When we are become the salt to the earth, we show Jesus, we show the living water off so that others can see and benefit from the living water that Jesus is. Salt creates a desire. Now, if you're not being salty, you're not creating a desire. If people aren't looking at your life and going, I want Jesus in my life. I can see the benefit of having Jesus in my life. I can see that it's good for, for me to be with Jesus because of what I see in this person. If that's not happening to you, you need to up your saltiness. You need to up how much you're making people thirsty for Jesus. Because otherwise you're sitting there saying, I am a disciple, but Jesus is asking you to become a disciple so that you can become a disciple maker. He's not asking you just to wallow in the promise. He wants you to activate the promise in your life. And we activate the promise in our lives by showing others the promise. 
If you are just sitting at home and you are having little contact with other people, if you just go to church, go to your work and keep your nose down, you kind of just keep under the radar, God has asked you to up your saltiness. Make sure people know that Jesus is in your life, that you are living a life that is pure, that is, that is keeping your life. It is preserving God. It is preserving the promise in your life. And watch it preserve the promise in others. Keep the promise in others. Purify the promise in others. And make sure that they desire Jesus as much as He desires you when He called you. Another thing that salt does is it causes the ice to melt. It, it can, 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 can change ice. You put some salt and it, it gets rid of the ice. Salt melts. And when we have a look at how hardened people's hearts have become. It is only the message of God's love for them, that His promise for them through Jesus Christ, that can change their hearts. My heart was pretty, my heart was pretty hard before Jesus. I was pretty kind of focused on what I wanted, and, and, I, and I didn't let anybody else's feelings get in the way. There was no such thing as sympathy and empathy in my life. I, I was quite hard-hearted. As soon as my wife's dad, my father-in-law and mother-in-law and other people in my community started loving on me the way Jesus loves them, my heart started to soften. It took a while. It took a while for me to trust when they said that they wanted my best. It took a while because I had been surrounded by people who told me that they wanted the very best for me and then told me what I had to do to make it the best. They, they had religiously disciplined me and said, well, this is your best. This is all you will be. This is what you need to become. And when I had a look at how others loved me with the true, true, genuine love of Jesus Christ, that was when my heart started to soften. And then one day, I held my son in my arms and I realized that God, in my firstborn son, had sent me a message and said, as much as you desire to be a father to that boy, I desire to be your father. Will you let me? And when God asked me that question, I realized that he had been in a process through the gospel of love in my life. Other people speaking that into my life had allowed my heart to soften to such an extent that God could speak to me directly. That's our goal. Our goal is to show people the love of Christ. We will never be that profound word from God that changes someone's life. But we can show them the love of Christ so that it softens their heart so that God can speak to them directly. Don't try and be God to people. Don't try and preach at people. Don't try and dictate love of Jesus to them. Don't walk up to them and say, don't you know that Jesus loves, them, loves you? No, show them your love. Show them the love of Christ in you. Because that will soften their heart so that at a point in time, God will be able to speak directly to them just like he spoke directly to you. Another thing that salt does is it heals. And we've spoken a little bit about this. Being a disciple means that you find a hurt and heal it. Now, you might be going, I don't know how to heal, Craig. I don't know how to heal. You don't need to have the gift of healing to help someone heal. You've got the gift of time. You've got the gift of being able to listen. You've got the gift of a hug, of a smile. Just spending time and loving on people can help heal. Have you got that? Have you got a few moments for that, that, that person that you know that is usually hard-hearted, bitter and twisted? Have you got a few moments just to go and have a lunch with them, have a coffee with them, just listen to their story, just smile and listen? You might not agree with everything that comes out their mouth, 
but you can be with them. You can spend time with them. You can build relationship with them. The best testimony is a testimony shared in relationship. And if you can build relationship, then people will begin to hear you and see your testimony. And when people can see and hear your testimony, hey, they may just be in a place where they can receive the promise of God. Salt heals. The second thing that Jesus calls us, apart from salt, is light. He says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. When we set up a light on a hill, people will see it. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The world needs salt. It needs some healing. The world is impure. It needs some salt. But the world is also dark. It needs some light. By calling you, by calling you a disciple, by showing you the promise, He has called you not just to be the salt of the world, but be the light of the world. It's a dark place. We need to get to a place where we stand and we say, I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am a Christ-empowered influencer. Did you get that? You are a Christ-empowered influencer because you have responded to the call to be a disciple. Because you have based your life on the promise of Jesus Christ. You have influence. Oh, oh, Craig, I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't know people well enough. I'm shy. I don't have, I don't. Because of God's promise in you, those are behaviors that He's changing right now so that you can step out and be the salt of the world, that you can be the light of the world. You are a Christ empowered influencer. Your life, as a result of responding to a promise made, will make a difference. You can let your light shine. Jesus has asked us to shine. And in the notes that I've, I've put together for you, I'm not going to preach all of those notes. No, there's a little bit of a study guide, a little bit of a guide through the story of Paul and Silas so that you can go in your own time now and see how Paul didn't, be a sh didn't become ashamed. There's only two ways that, that you will lose your light and your salt. The one is if you become ashamed of it. And the second is if Satan robs you of it. And the only way Satan robs you of it is to make you ashamed of it. You see, when we start stepping back because of our own lack of fulfillment in our lives, when we start stepping back because of our own insecurities, when we start stepping back because we haven't seen our promises being fulfilled, Satan is winning because now he's making you believe that even though you didn't, weren't able to step up with your own promises, you will never even be able to step up with Jesus' promises. And so we never get out there. Your failures are holding you back because you think you're going to fail with Jesus. The promise is you cannot fail with Jesus. The only time you'll fail is if you go out on your own. And it's not about becoming a better person. The gospel is not a self-help book. It's an others' help book. Jesus came to help others so that they could help others. This process of responding to a promise, this process of becoming a better person during a New Year's resolution is not about making you a better person. This is not the 10 steps to you becoming a better person. 
It's the 10 steps to you becoming a disciple that makes disciples, that changes the world, that can share a promise that was made to you by God that you know will change people's lives. Don't let Satan make you ashamed of it. Don't let this world make you ashamed of it. Don't let your past failures make you ashamed of it. This year, change a habit based on the promise of God. And the promise of God is that if you get the habit right, others will change their habits. The promise of God is asking you to change 2019, not so that you can get to the end of 2019 feeling good about yourself. No, that we can get to the end of 2019 and there are more people around us that believe in the promise of Jesus Christ. Don't let Satan make you ashamed of it because he doesn't want people to know of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want people to know of the power of the promise. He doesn't want the salt to come through you, the light to come through you, because he knows that when that happens, when you start walking out the calling, when you start walking out the promise, the salt will change others' lives and others will declare him a liar and declare Jesus the king. It's not about knowing too much or not knowing anything at all. It's not about knowing your Bible too much or not knowing your Bible at all. You know what? It doesn't take knowledge to care for somebody. You don't have to have a degree in psychology to know that the gospel is good for everybody. You see, we have begun to make excuses based on our past failures. You and your salt and your light will change lives. Go and study the story of Paul and Silas this week because we're going to be discussing a little bit further next session. People want to know that you have a promise. They want to know the promise. They want to know of Jesus. The more we hold back from being the salt and the light that Jesus has called us to be, the promise that he has made us to be, the less people will hear of it. At the end of the story of Paul and Silas being arrested, the house that they impacted was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. You can make an influencing change today. You can make a change in the way you influence people today. The people around you, if you're suffering from depression, know that you're generally depressed. The, the people around you, that, that you know you are impacted, that know you because you're impacted through that divorce that you've gone through. They've begun putting with you or assimilating with you certain thoughts, certain feelings, certain ideas by how you live your life. You know, the lady next door, she's the one that just recently got divorced. And we know that she's the recently one got divorced because we've seen her demeanor slowly degenerate over the last few weeks. Uh, that lady that lives three doors down, well, well she's always inside. She's She's always at home. She's a bit depressed. And we know that because we see her demeanor. You see, people have already, your influence, your sphere of influence, have already been assigning to your life what kind of promise you're walking out. If you're walking out the promise of Jesus Christ in your life, if you're changing your life based on the promises made by Jesus, people will see your salt and see your light. And they will turn around and they will say, I want what they've got. I want what he's got. I want what she's got. Becoming a disciple is step one. That's just listening to Jesus. Walking out the call of what that promise means to you means step one, being the salt and being the light of the world. This is a moment where you get to commit not to Jesus, 
but to moving from being a hearer of the word to a doer of the word too. It's not just good enough to hear the word. It's not just good enough to do the word because doing the word is religious. Hearing the word is just knowledge. When we combine our hearing with our doing, we start getting into faith. Faith without works is dead. So today you commit, you click on that banner below, you click on the link in the chat room, not to accept Jesus, but to stand up from your favorite armchair, to get up from where you are and start influencing people, not based on your own abilities, because then you'll never stand up. No, based on the promises made to you by God. He promises you that you are the salt. He promises you that you are the light. And he gives you the reason to stand up and influence other people with your life. Change the way they think, change the way they behave by changing the way you think and changing the way you behave. One of the incredible things about coming together is that we get to celebrate this promise of Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray now as we finish up the message, and then we're going to just receive the communion elements together, and then we'll go our different ways. Father, we thank you for calling us the salt and the light of the world. We thank you that you are a God that promises to call us, but not just call us for, sake, for the sake of calling us. No, but you call us on to a better place by changing people's lives, by making the gospel about others, not just about myself. Father, thank you that the gospel message is not just a self-help guide. No, it's an others' help guide, that we can be guided to be a help to others and as a result realize the true potential that you've placed on the inside of us. Father, thank you for this word. We ask and pray blessings upon every heart that received it. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, when we come together, we like to celebrate Jesus Christ. We like to celebrate the fact that he came. He was real. He genuinely arrived on this earth. He died for us, raised, was raised for us, and is currently seated at the right hand of God. And we do that. We celebrate Jesus by sharing in communion. Now, you might be sitting at home right now and be thinking, well, how do I do communion from wherever I am? I, I don't know what communion is. Well, just by getting some form of symbol that you accept Jesus' body and that you accept Jesus' blood is good enough. A piece of bread and some water, some gum and some coffee, whatever it is, just as long as you've got something that symbolizes that Jesus' body really came to the earth. It was so real that he painfully died for you. His body was broken for you. Take, eat, and know that whatever symbol you're using, you are celebrating Jesus coming to this earth. You are celebrating that God so loved you that He sent, for real, sent His only begotten Son so that you could have life. Take, eat, and know that this is Jesus' body that was broken for you. Why do we drink something? What do we symbolize by the, the drinking? The bread symbolizes that Jesus' body was real. It was tangible. It was broken. It was here. The blood that we drink, we have something to symbolize the fact that he shed his blood, that he was so committed to letting you know of God's love that he was willing to shed his blood in an eternal covenant with you, that his love would always cover you. And so we drink a water, a piece of some coffee, whatever it is you're drinking. I've got a little bit of juice to represent Jesus' blood that was shed in covenant for you. His word is his bond, and he's willing to shed his life and his blood over that word. Take drink and know that Jesus loves you, and this is his blood that was shed for you. Wow. 
What a great time together. Thank you for joining us. We absolutely love, love, love that you come along and be part of these messages. I hope that you receive something tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this message. I hope that you receive the Word of God. Please go back and study the story of Paul and Silas. It's all laid out in the notes. You can have a look at those notes by clicking on the notes tab. We'd love for you to comment about what you discover in the Paul and Silas process about how you can impact other people. Go ahead, study it. Join our Facebook group. Comment on the story. Comment on the notes. Comment on what, you, what you're finding in the Word. Share it with others. And immediately today, by jumping on the Facebook online page or group, you can have an influence over other people. You can bring the promise to other people. Thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to seeing you this weekend and in our next Promises Made session next week, midweek, very, very soon. Thank you so much for being with us. We love you. You be blessed.